Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Brave Church Podcast, and thanks for listening. At the end of this talk, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook or Instagram, where you can get even more connected to what's going on in our community. But most importantly, we hope the following talk inspires you to take your next step in finding or following Jesus. Well, man, before we get started, I just got to share with you something, a miracle that happened in my life. Um, it's daylight savings, so we just lost an hour. It's, you know, not the, the one that's easy. And, uh, and then also, I have to get up extra early on Sundays, particularly when I'm speaking. Last night, my newborn six-week-old daughter, for the first time, slept through the entire night. Isn't that crazy? Perfect timing. So we're thanking Jesus. But today is week two of our new series, The Journey, and we are going through the Gospel of Mark. And we're actually going to be completing it on Easter Sunday. And so we're in the final few chapters, the final stages of Jesus's ministry before the cross. And so we're going to begin by reading our passage together in Mark 14, 27 through 31. If you didn't get notes, go ahead and raise your hands. We'll get those to you. But we're going to read this together. It says, you will all fall away, Jesus told them. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. For those of you just joining us last week, we looked at the Last Supper, just the verses right before this. And the Last Supper was one of the most famous meals ever. It's been portrayed in paintings, uh, famous paintings. And it was a really big deal because it was the last meal that Jesus had with his disciples before entering the final stages of his journey to the cross. And it was also a meal where he introduced them to this ritual of communion that we still do today in remembrance of Jesus. But really what was standing out and and what was so crazy is all the shocking stuff that he said. I mean, Jesus said some stuff that they did not see coming. Have you ever gotten together with a friend, maybe for a meal, and you just thought you were going to hang out or catch up, and then they had just some shocking news? To tell you. And so that's what this meal was like for the disciples. And one of the things that Jesus said in verse 18, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me now. So the tension in the room was so thick in this moment. And that had to hurt because up until this point, I mean, we're looking at the disciples, and the only one that looks shifty is Judas, right? And so they're think we're thinking, man, like. Who's going to betray him? Who's it going to be? And of course, if we've read the story, we know. But they're in the room. And one by one, they ask Jesus, is it me? Like, it can't be me, Jesus, right? It's not me. I love you. As far as we know, from this point, all of their allegiance is committed. They love Jesus. They're partaking in his mission. And so this is where our story picks up. It's right after this. It says that they sang a hymn, and they went out to the Mount of Olives. And then in verse 27, Jesus says that you will all fall away. He told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. So he's just 
told them that one of you will betray me, but now he's saying all of you will. And in this verse, he's quoting Zechariah 13.7. I, representing God the Father, will strike, meaning put to death, the shepherd, which is Jesus, and the sheep, which are the disciples, will be scattered. And so they would have known that verse. They would have heard it. This is from the Old Testament. And so Jesus is saying that you're all going to fall away. And the verb translated fall away means to take offense, to turn away. To turn away from someone was to be deceived and to see them differently, like accepting false teaching or believing lies about someone. And so these disciples who loved Jesus so much would somehow get to the point where they would completely turn their backs on him, where they would run from him. Now, how is this possible? I mean, we know that they were genuine. They loved Jesus. They're following him. Their their commitment seems so high. They've left everything to follow him. They're doing everything he asks them to do, even when it seems weird or they don't understand. But somehow they would get from this point to, to falling away from him. I remember reading this story when I was younger and just kind of assuming, oh, this was just God's plan. They're just kind of brainwashed or something. Like, they're just going along with it because it doesn't make any sense. Have you ever done something that you never thought you would do or lost a friendship or a relationship that you thought you would have had for the rest of your life? I'm only 31. I'm young, but I've been a pastor for 10 years. And one of the things my dad actually used to say is that we're in the people business because it's all about people. And over the years, you just see so many different people, whether it's because you were at one church or at a different church, or there's all different kinds of reasons that transitions happen, but we end up meeting a lot of people. But there have been times where some of these people, we were friends, and we lost the friendship almost unexpectedly, almost shockingly, and you wonder, how did this happen? Have you had that experience with a friend, someone maybe you were close to? Here's the deal. The sobering truth is that this doesn't just happen in our relationship with other people. It can happen in our relationship with Jesus. I wonder if you've ever found yourself at a place where you were questioning your faith. Maybe you woke up one day and you're like, how did I get here? Maybe you're here today and you're just trying to pick up the pieces, figure out how to connect with God again. Like the disciples, we are not immune to falling away. And in this passage, as we look at the disciples' crisis to faith, I believe that God wants to show us some things that can help us in our own journey. So let me pray with you before we go through this. God, I pray for every single person here, if there's anyone here that is at this point, this crisis of faith, God, I pray that they would hear your truth this morning, that they would be encouraged But God, I pray that you would meet every single one of us in this room with what we need to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So number one in your notes is when the way of Jesus appears weak, it challenges our loyalty. Uh, Think about it. The disciples, they didn't see Jesus as weak. Like up to this point, they have just seen his supernatural power on display. He's healing people. He's casting out demons. He's the greatest teacher that they've ever heard. He outsmarts the attacks of the smartest religious leaders around, just just confounds them. They were on the winning team. 
Being with Jesus felt good. He was a winner. Turn to the person next to you and say, Jesus is a winner. That's right. They had the best rabbi. Clearly, God was with them. And he was the Messiah that they had been waiting for, or so they thought. But in this passage, Jesus is predicting a time that was fast approaching where he wouldn't be going in the direction that they expected. See, they didn't want Jesus to turn himself in. Even though he had predicted his death numerous times, they weren't ready for what was coming. He would be mocked. He would be spit on. He would be given a crown of thorns. He would be beaten beyond recognition. A time was coming when being with Jesus would lose all bragging rights. I was thinking about it this week. Like, has there been a time where my loyalty to Jesus was tested? And sometimes it's harder for us to put ourselves in this because maybe we haven't faced a life or death situation when it comes to our faith. But I was just reminded of this this time where I was with my old roommate. He started a suit shop in San Francisco. And that was really interesting to people because everybody else we knew was in tech. And so we would go to social gatherings or parties. And one of the big questions when you're in a room with a bunch of people you don't know is, what do you do? Right? And so people would ask him what he does. And he'd tell them, you know, I've got this suit shop like right below the Transamerica building. And people were really interested in what he did. And so it was always great for conversations. But then they would ask me what I do. And I would say, I'm a pastor. And the conversation would end. <laughs> and if I continued talking about what I do, sometimes I could see that people were visibly uncomfortable. And so one time, I remember I just kind of answered. I just wasn't, didn't want to deal with that. And so I just said, oh, I'm a speaker. But I felt so convicted because even though I wasn't straight up lying, I wasn't being loyal to Jesus. See, you may not have pastor before your name, right? But I guarantee you, this isn't an easy place for you to be public about your faith either. San Francisco and the Bay Area has long been known as a place that God is not welcomed. And so what does that look like for you? How is your loyalty to Jesus being tested? Maybe it's when you're with certain friends. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's with your coworkers. Living here takes bravery to be public with your faith. This is a test of loyalty. I doubt it's any different for you guys. And so are you okay with people knowing that you're a follower of Jesus? Maybe you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, and that's okay. We are so glad that you're here. But let me ask you something. What do you respect more, someone who will be public with their beliefs when it's convenient or comfortable, or someone who would be willing to die for them. There's something in all of us that respects loyalty, even when it's not something that we agree with. So I wonder, has your loyalty to Jesus been tested? We live in a country where it is completely legal to worship as we please, and that is an amazing freedom. But there are plenty of places around the world that do not have that freedom. I read an article this week. It was posted a year ago from Christianity Today. And it was about a church in Nigeria. And the magazine visited a church that worshiped God. And Muslim extremists killed and buried 483 Christians there. And at this mass grave site, 
there was a plaque with the verse Revelation 6, 10 and 11. It says, they shouted in a loud voice, Almighty Lord, holy and true, how long will it be until you judge them on earth and punish them for killing us? Each of them was given a white robe as they waited. They were told to wait until it was their time as they were all killed. It is so easy for us to take for granted that we can come here, that we can gather together and worship Jesus without the threat of our lives being taken. But that doesn't mean that our loyalty is not being tested. Our loyalty is tested in how we treat people who are worthless, how we treat people who can do nothing for us, who can't return the favor. Our loyalty is tested when following Jesus means giving up some of our comfort. Our loyalty is tested by how much we care about helping other people find and follow Jesus. I think a huge indicator of where someone's at in their relationship with Jesus is how much they care about other people coming to know Jesus. Because that's what he cares about. So if you're really close to Jesus, that's going to rub off. I was uh, on BART earlier this week, just headed home. I had dinner with an old friend, and I was on BART. And all throughout my life, there's been moments where I just sensed in, in public, like, I'm supposed to talk to this person. And it's just been a common thing, so I know when it's God. And I'm sitting on BART, and I'm sitting next to this guy, and I don't feel like talking to him. But I get that feeling like I'm supposed to talk to him. And so um, we start talking and come to find out he's lived for 30 plus years, two blocks from where I used to live in San Francisco, where I lived for a year. And another thing that I've just noticed is a lot of coincidences that occur in, in our lives are not really coincidences. There, there are dots to be connected. God is working in our lives. And so these seemingly random things that happen oftentimes are God at work. And so then we start talking, and we don't have anything in common. He's in his 50s. Um, we never met before. Come to find out, we have a mutual friend. And so I'm seeing all these dots connected. And then I'm asking God. I'm saying, God, is there, is there a reason that we're connected right now? It's got to be more than just conversation, right? And so I feel like I'm supposed to invite him to Brave. And I was thinking of the event on the 24th, but I just didn't feel like it. And so I didn't say anything. And then he gets up and grabs his bike. He's getting off for work. And he throws on his backpack. And on the back of his backpack is a huge Raiders logo. <laughs> and I'm just so, again, so convicted because I didn't want to invite him. I didn't feel like it, right? And so then it's awkward because I'm like telling him really quickly and Good, good thing we have a short website, right? Brave.church. But I don't know if he's going to come. I'm praying that he comes. But the point is not, look at Samuel and how he's inviting people, right? The point is what I almost missed out on. Are we willing to share our faith? Are we willing to invite people that God cares about to have an opportunity to meet him? Are you loyal enough to Jesus to do things you don't feel like doing, and to recognize that he's working in your life. Let's continue. But we're going to skip verse 28. We're going to come back to that in the end. Let's read verses 29 through 31 again. It says, Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. 
But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. Number two, knowing the real Jesus often requires letting go of the version we prefer. Letting go of the version that we prefer. Sometimes we disagree with Jesus because we misunderstand him. At face value, when you look at this passage, it kind of just looks like Peter has a big ego. I mean, think about it. He's been following Jesus for years now, and every single time Jesus says something, he's been right about it. But when Jesus says this, the first thing he does is, oh, no, not me. He, you know, the first thing he does is, get to, is defend himself and, and re-up on his loyalty. But the truth is, at this point in Peter's journey, he would die for Jesus. He was ready. I mean, it wasn't long after this that they were in a garden and some soldiers came to take Jesus, and Peter cuts off one of his ears. And if, if, if you haven't thought about this, I mean, these are trained soldiers with swords. Peter is a fisherman, fisherman with a pocket knife. And he didn't know if the other guys were going to back him. I mean, he just jumps in and cuts off a guy's ear. He was ready to fight to his death. Peter was ready to fight and die for the Jesus that he preferred, the one who would take Rome by force, start a revolution, a physical war. And he thought that this was what God wanted. And instead, Jesus turns himself over. He goes on trial, and he loses. So we, we, we spent a lot of time in the Gospel of Mark just seeing over and over again how Jesus shatters people's expectations. He was so different than what people wanted or the box that they put him in. But I wonder, how different is Jesus than what we prefer? How different is he sometimes than the box that we've confined him to? I wonder if we've locked on to some views of Jesus that we actually need to let go of so we can experience more of God. I think a lot of times in our spiritual journey, the fast track to growth is just letting God be God. I think a lot of us, where this gets really challenging, and we've got to be brave to go there, but what we'd find is that Jesus fits pretty nicely into our preferences. One of the most challenging things that, that I face when it comes to who Jesus is, is that he came for a reason. Luke 19.10, it was a key verse for us when we started this church. It's still a key verse, but what it says is so powerful. It says that the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. See, aligning our lives with Jesus' mission, that's not easy. That, that requires a lot of change. That requires that, that all of our goals in life be surrendered to alignment with his mission, Peter wanted to see Israel free from Rome. Jesus wanted to see people free from slavery to sin. He came to defeat Satan. I wonder if you know the mission of the church. Deciding to follow Jesus, it means that you're all in with this mission. Because that's where Jesus is going. You can't follow Jesus and choose a different mission. Following Jesus is not a choose-your-own-adventure. We've been in this really exciting process as a staff, and we've been doing goal setting. And I love goal setting because of how it focuses us and, and makes us better stewards with our resources and our time. And so we've been doing these goals. And there's a lot of studies that have been done that if people create their own goals, 
They take a lot more ownership of them. And if you've worked with millennials, and in the last gathering, people laughed when I said that. I don't know why. But if you've worked with millennials, we love to tell ourselves what to do. But the problem with that is when we become followers of Jesus, we're saying, hey, you get to tell me what to do with my life. You get to set the direction. My goals, I get to dream, and I get to discover, and that's a journey. But I think some people, we, we really get hung up on discovering our purpose and finding our significance in life because we start following Jesus, but we forget where significance comes from. And it comes from this mission, seeking and saving that which is lost. Are we partnering with Jesus to seek and to save that which is lost in marriages, that which is lost in the the broken areas of people's lives, that which is lost in people's souls, quite literally? This is really hard for some of us because it's a radical shift. And what what we're used to when we come to faith is being the recipient of that mission, being the recipient of what Jesus has done and the recipient of others who have stepped up or carrying the torch. But there's there's a shift that has to happen where we now own that mission too. Other times, the issue is a little bit different. It's maybe because you've been misled when you started following Jesus. I was talking to a friend the other day, and he's actually a pastor. And he was telling me, I started following Jesus in this church where I was told that from here on out, the trajectory of my life would be upwards. I was going to, now that I have Jesus, I'm going to have the perfect marriage, the perfect uh, life, the perfect career, perfect health. And then that wasn't the case, and it created a crisis of faith for me. See, Jesus doesn't promise that everything is just going to go up, that everything is just going to be perfect. Things will not be easy. Jesus promises that we will experience suffering, but that it will be a joy in his name. And so this actually leads us to some really good news. Are you guys ready for some good news? Okay, let's jump back to verse 28. It says, in the middle of this passage, It says something really interesting that kind of gets skipped over because Peter is so dramatic. So he jumps straight to reaffirming his loyalty, and and we see all of that. But look at what Jesus said in verse 28. He says, after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Number three, Jesus is loyal even when we're not. He is loyal even when we're not. He lets us run away. He gives us free will. And when we fall away, he remains loyal to us. Jesus predicted that all of his disciples would leave him when he really needed them the most, when he really could have used their support and their friendship. At his weakest moment, they wouldn't be there. He mentored them, he invested in them, he cared about them, and Jesus was a great leader, right? And yet they were gone. But in the same breath, as Jesus is predicting this, he says something so beautiful. He assures them that they still get to be part of his plan. See, this is all coming full circle. He says, I'm going to go ahead of you to Galilee. Galilee was the place that he first called them to come and follow me, to be his disciples, to place their trust and their loyalty in him. And he's saying, hey, there's some stuff coming up that's going to be confusing and you're not going to understand it and and you're going to fall away for a little bit but I just want you to know that I'm still loyal to you. And we're going to meet back in Galilee. 
See, true strength says even though people will make mistakes, we remain loyal because Jesus remains loyal to us. And that doesn't mean that there aren't consequences or things that need to be worked through. It just means that there is always a way back home. With Jesus, there is always a path for redemption. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus delivers this same prediction of Peter's betrayal. But something interesting happens right before, a few verses back, they enter a village and Jesus is asking his disciples, he's saying, who do people say that I am? What are they saying about me? And so they answer this question and then Jesus flips it around and he says, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Jesus tells Peter that he's gonna be the rock on which the church is built and that nothing can overcome it. What a significant purpose. What an amazing testimony of God's grace that even after Peter denied him, he ended up becoming the rock on which the church was established. In today's age when someone offends us or there's a break in relationship, what do we do? When there's a break in loyalty, we, we come to a conclusion or we go around and we find others that'll confirm our conclusion. We take things into our own hands. We justify our actions. This is, this is not the way of Jesus. Jesus is loyal through the things that we don't understand. So the kind of community that we're building here at Brave is a loyalty to one another that says, even when I don't understand, even when I'm offended, even when I'm upset at you or I'm upset or whatever the case, even when I don't understand something, loyalty says, I'm going to work through this. I'm going to have the tough love conversations. See, on the cross, Jesus didn't show us what was weak. He showed us what true strength looks like. And it's a loyalty even through feeling wronged or betrayed. Extending loyalty to people who don't deserve it. So I wonder what you're facing in this season. Maybe your loyalty to Jesus is being tested. See, it's not just as simple as identifying as a follower of Jesus. Our loyalty is tested with our love for one another. For some, maybe it is as simple as when a coworker asks you what you've got going this weekend or what you're doing after work and if you've got something church related, that's a test. Are you, are, are, you, oh, are you confident enough? Are you loyal enough to say, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to Brave this weekend or I'm going to this awesome community, home church that, that we, we gather weekly and we live life together. See, I think we get so used to turning down the tests in our head by so used to retreating because of the culture that we live in that we're not even aware of the tests that we're facing. But the moment you start saying yes to Jesus and you start committing your life to him and living out a loyal life to him, God is gonna use you in amazing ways. You are gonna have conversations that you can't believe because we're seeking and saving. God is looking for people who will say yes to him and have an impact in this community. There is a spiritual 
battle for the loyalty of our souls. I was holding my daughter this week, and I was in the living room and just worshiping, and this song came on called Surrounded. And as I was holding her, this song is talking about facing battles and trials. And I was holding her, and I was just thinking, you know, I want nothing for, but good for her. But I know she's going to face some battles. I know she's going to experience suffering. I know she's going to experience pain. But I also know that when she does, she will be surrounded by God. And so maybe for some of you in this room, listen, even if you're not a follower of Jesus or you haven't decided what you will be loyal to with your life, you are still surrounded by God right now. But the invitation of Jesus is that you can be surrounded by God and he will fight your battles with you out there. And so I just want to invite you to bow your heads, to have a moment of reverence, a moment of privacy just between you and God. And if you're here today and you're at that place where you want to commit your life to Jesus, I just want to ask you to raise your hand so that I can pray with you. If that's a decision that you want to make today, just go ahead and raise your hand. That's awesome. That is awesome. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I want you to agree with it in your heart. Dear Jesus, I thank you that that you were loyal to me beyond my capacity to be loyal to you, even knowing that I would betray you. And so, God, today I ask you to be Lord of my life, to fill me with your presence, and I commit it to your mission. I love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's the thing about being loyal to Jesus. Loyalty isn't hard when you remember who Jesus is. But oftentimes when we find ourselves in these difficult situations, in these battles or challenges, when we're feeling attacked, we focus on the enemy more than we focus on our Savior. And so, you know, we sing these songs in worship and we use this word called praise. Praise is a declaration and a a point of trust and remembrance of who God is. And so I don't know where you're at. Maybe life is good and you need to praise as a reminder of God's faithfulness to you. Or for others, maybe you're right in it. You're going through some stuff and you need to remember who will fight your battle. Who is with you? Who surrounds you? So let's stand and sing this together. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Bay Area, we would love for you to join us at a Sunday gathering in San Ramon. For directions, gathering times, or information about our Brave Kids program, visit us at brave.church. Also, if you want to help support what God is doing through Brave, you can give online to the Brave Foundation at brave.church forward slash foundation.